Hey everybody, what's up? Sagi here and uh, we have an amazing session today. I have a session with Philip Taylor, PT Money. Um, he's an amazing guy that I met. He's actually the founder of FinCon, a conference that I attended back in 2018. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. We talked about uh, the conference, how we started FinCon and how you can uh, maybe launch a conference of your own. And we talked about blogging, what the, what's the best way of growing a blog, starting and growing a blog, monetization, family, everything that you can think of about creative entrepreneurship, this beautiful uh, talk. So enjoy everyone. And this is the Creativepreneur show, which is a new show. I switched from Mindfulness to Creativepreneur. This is the first show that it's Creativepreneur. So enjoy the Creativepreneur podcast and everybody enjoy this episode. Yo, 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 what's up, creative entrepreneurs? Sagi here, and welcome to the Creativepreneur Show, the podcast where digital creatives share their stories on how they've instilled greatness into their own lives and the lives of others. We will discuss strategies for online businesses, personal branding, mindset, design, digital marketing, storytelling, high achievement, and so much more. Everything we need in order to build our influence, our brand, and our businesses in order to build a life of impact. All right. So, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome. And today on the show, I have PT Philip Taylor with me. Philip, what's up, man? What's up, Saji? I'm doing great, man. Excited to talk with you. Thank you, man. I'm very happy to have you here. And I've attended FinCon just in September. And right now it's like the beginning of 2019, just attended it last September. It was awesome. Yes. <laughs> so to anybody who's not watching and listening, is uh, uh, so PT has this uh, FinCon, awesome FinCon t-shirt design. Uh, pretty, yes. pretty awesome swag there. <laughs> FinCon forever. Awesome. And uh, it, was, it was one of the best conferences I've ever been to. I, I am going to a lot of conferences coming from the design field. I also went to a lot of international design conferences and, um, and local ones. And I've gone to 10X conference, GrowthCon. I've gone to Summit of Greatness. I've gone to Social Media Marketing World. And I got to say, like, I really enjoyed FinCon the most out of all the conferences that I've been to. Wow. It's just that, and, and I, I barely was inside the actual talks, I must say. <laughs> like, a guilty charge. I was outside. I couldn't get from one end of the hallway to the other just because I was just like stopping every couple of minutes to just talk to people. And that was awesome. And I was like, it's such a great community. And yes. like talking to everybody is super friendly. Everybody's um, just about like having good time and networking, like, you know, authentically with no kind of not, nobody wants something from you. Everybody's like just, you know, connecting on a human level. And everybody's kind of like in the same world, you know, kind of blogging and in the online business space. And almost the people come from the finance blogging space because that's what you start from. But um, it's definitely now like way more open. And I, you know, had like, I'm not coming from the personal finance space and I blended in just fine. It was awesome. Really, really fun. So thank you for putting together such an amazing community, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, as I always like to share, the community was around before the event was. I just sort of wrangled them all together and was the first to kind of throw the party. And uh, you're right. The community is fantastic. We're the weird people on the internet that talk about personal finances. And so when we get together, it creates a, a really nice uh, collaborative spirit, nice bond. And then 
just the sort of a, a positive sort of abundance mindset where yeah. as long as we're all sort of working together, we're going to help the world fix their money problems. And you're right. We've become, because they're so giving and so authentic in how they talk and share with each other, it's attracted a lot of people from the digital marketing space who go to other maybe niche conferences or other sort of broader conferences and don't get that same sense of uh, intimacy or transparency with, uh, with the, with the relationships and the networking that we have at our event. So it's a special crew and I'm, I'm proud to be one of them and, and proud to put on the event for them. So thanks for coming. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. And I want to shout out Monica Louie for making me come. She just like told me you need to like, we're in the same time, like in the U S it was just a gap between our mastermind with Pat Flynn and the summit of greatness. And she was like, Sagi, Fincon's up and you're going with me. And I'm like, sure, I'm down. Like, like heard a lot of great things from Pat. And I uh, said, so just like, let's, let's do it. And That's I great. didn't come with a lot of expectations, but wow, I was blown away, man. So thank you. And um, yeah, so today I have a couple of things I want to talk to you. I know like on most podcasts and stuff, you talk about, you talk about money and you talk about, you know, getting control of your finances and, and saving and all those stuff, like which are, are amazing topics to talk about. But today I want to talk to you about growing an online business and personal brand, which I think is so important. And it's something that I, I talk to uh, like mostly on this podcast because that's what I'm doing myself. I'm on this journey, you're on this journey and we'd love to geek out on that if you're okay with that. <laughs> Absolutely. I've, I've been a geek on that a couple of years into my journey as well. So I'm, I'm totally with you there. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So just to like fill in the gap for anybody who doesn't know, like, so um, Philip has a similar story to what a lot of us, like, you know, entrepreneurs that you see on the show have. Full-time job, a CPA, um, one point started like side hustling and and then started a blog called Masters. Oh, sorry, um, PT Money. Basically, like um, it was like part time money. Was it prime? Was it ever prime time money, or was it always part time money? It, it started as prime time money, prime -time and then money. just and then just PT Money, and now part time money. So it's very confusing. Okay. Got it. Because it was like also um, on the con in the conference, people like were referring to you as PT Money. So. Right. I'm like, all right, PT money. So because it's Philip Taylor. And then like uh, when doing actually only when doing research for this, for this episode, I was just like, wait a second. That's like part-time money. That's not, that's not PT money. So it's like, it's not Philip Taylor. It's like part-time money. So it's, it's, it's both. So yeah. I can play, yeah. I can play off both. But. Yeah, totally. It's awesome. It's awesome that you have this like PT money thing going on. It's a, it's a great thing. Right. So, so yeah, so you um, launched the blog, uh, understood that there's a community of, Obviously, a lot to do here. A lot of uh, financial bloggers as well, and you—that's when you decided to bring everybody together. That's why you launched FinCon, and it started in 2011, right? That's started 2011, so we're already like eight years in the making, which is pretty damn awesome, man. Congrats! <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. And uh, also, you have a, a great podcast going on, which is Masters of Money, the Masters of Money podcast. So everybody, um, you can subscribe to that later on as well. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, pretty awesome because you've come from like the, the OG bloggers, you know, back then, you know, sharing your own stories, how you improve your own finances, and then, you know, developing and, and letting everything evolve from there. But you managed to really foster that community and find that niche, which is a pretty damn good niche uh, of money bloggers. So I don't want to bring you back to the story. I just want to ask you, is there anything like you want to uh, mention, like filling, filling in the gap there inside the story? Uh, I would just say um, I, I, I think my both of my businesses, the blog and and my uh, 
in the conference just sort of both played off sort of my personal interest as well as a little bit of my skill set, right? So I had a little bit of marketing background from college, being in a band, being the promoter of the band, knowing about websites and things. And then, of course, I had the finance background. But ultimately, it was just about the passion for money. And then it became the passion for blogging. And then it became the passion for conferences. So it's like I've just followed these sort of personal interests and just tried to play in those spaces where I could kind of allow my my natural energy to help, you know, take me there. Yeah, that's awesome. So basically like taking your passions and making it a living and uh, it's mm -hmm. exactly what people talk about. And so people listen up, it's real, <laughs> you know, you take your passions, <laughs> follow them through. So when you followed up with your passions, did you have a plan? Like how did you plan everything to carry it out like that? That's a good question. Not, not much of a plan at first, to be honest with you. My, mm -hmm. Most of my planning involved around sort of emulating other people that I saw doing well mm -hmm. and, um, and sort of mimicking in a way my own version of what they were doing, right? So both with my blog and the conference, they just sort of iterated off of sort of things that I'd cataloged in my head. Oh, I kind of like that. I took ideas from different places, especially with the event. You know, I wanted to create a unique event, but something that sort of pulled inspiration from other events that I'd been to, Blog World Expo, WordCamps. Uh, affiliate marketing or affiliate summit, uh, all these different conferences I sort of pulled ideas from and, and uh, sort of made my, my event out of them. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So yeah, definitely. And uh, you, let's talk about growing FinCon for a second as like this growing a conference, something that I wanted to talk to you about because once you have a conference, it's a whole lot of work to organize such a thing. How much time in your year is spent like just doing that? Yeah, these days, um, you know, I have three or two full-time employees fully dedicated to it. And then myself, I spend probably uh, 40 to 50% of my work week on it. 40 uh, to 50%, wow. Of my work week, yeah, yeah. And so I'll go to, uh, I have a co-working space here in town, which I'm at right now, and I'll come here specifically to work on that business. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm at home, I'll work on uh, PT Money. So it sort of can kind of keep both businesses separate from a location standpoint that way. But uh, yeah, so it's been, it's been lots of time during the year working on it. Um, and at the outset, you know, it's hard to calculate how much time we spent on it, but it was, uh, it was, a, it felt like a pretty significant amount of time because I would sit up and think about it at night and I would get up early and do some things on it or during the day I would pop over and work on it a little bit. So I was constantly always sort of thinking about it. Right. When you have this impending deadline of inviting, you know, 200 people to in a conference in a city, you know, far away, which I was in Dallas and we planned this first conference in Chicago, which is probably a crazy idea to begin with. But um, so that was sort of always impending in my head. And so I was constantly thinking about it, to be honest with you, uh, or working on it, it seemed like. But, uh, you know, people know how to come together and that, that, and hang out with each other for the most part. And like I said, these people really wanted to be together. And yeah. so I was really just creating this space for them. And so I think if you, if you treat event planning or any kind of conference or event like that, where you don't try to force people together, you don't want to be together, but you bring people who you know have similar interests and similar goals and similar values, bring them together. And then it's going to be a much easier because they're not going to care as much about the food or the location or some of the other things that event traditional event planning cares about because they're with each other and they're with the people that they want to be with. And so yeah. I had that going for me from the outset, which is, which is always an asset, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a, a lot of time and energy in terms of growing it through the years. You know, you mentioned we have had eight, eight conferences and through the years we've grown it by trying to create a better product. So we try to make our event more interesting 
better speakers, better parties, all that kind of stuff. We've, we've grown it by iterating on it. So not, we haven't created multiple events, but what we've done is created like smaller events. So we have FinCon Local, uh, which isn't necessarily a profit center in itself, which is many FinCons uh, regionally across the United States, but they're great marketing for the bigger event. We've also created multiple tickets within the event. So initially we had one ticket you could buy at the conference and then we created like a pro pass ticket. And now we have like a brand ticket you can buy. So um, there's sort of these different layers we've added on to the event without making it feel very VIP ish. You know, some, you go to some conferences, like they have a VIP section, which is cool for some brands and whatever, but like, that's not the, we're very flat hierarchy at FinCon, right? You want to walk into a room and feel like you can have access to everybody and talk to everybody. And so that's the vibe we continue. So multiple tickets, uh, other things I've done to grow it, uh, content marketing. Of course, we have a blog, a podcast for the conference. Referral marketing is huge. Just ask, you know, getting our community to sort of talk about it, inviting them to come and create content on site. So we have over 50 podcast shows produced live at our conference. And then Which is all- amazing, by the way. That was one yeah. of the best things in the conference, like just having that stage and everybody could jam out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we create the palette for people to come and create content at the event. And that right. way they go home and they, t- even if they don't talk about it necessarily, they, they maybe casually mention it. Oh, we're at, we're at, you know, FinCon doing this episode or whatever. So right. same thing for YouTubers, same thing for bloggers. We try to enable them to, propel the idea of it forward. So those are some of the kind of the bigger things we've done to grow it. We're, we're, we're benefiting from a good market. Um, more and more people are pouring into the space and then our economy's done really well. And so sponsors have come along and really helped us out a lot, uh, making the event more profitable. So, so lots of things are working for us, but I feel like we've tried to, we've pulled a few levers that have, have worked to our advantage. So. What would you think like is for anybody who's now planning a conference, I'm asking for two reasons. Uh, one, because I have a friend organizing a conference right now, and he's like, he's up to a certain amount of people, but he's just like, doesn't have all the tickets filled up. And he's asking himself, like, how can I get more people to fill up the, you know, the, the entire space? And the second thing is, so it's like, what really makes people book? Like, what do you think is like the most important thing? And the second, uh, the second question is for me in terms of like, if I want to one day organize a conference, then of I'm imagining I'm I'm definitely imagining imagining like a mindform Rupa summit. I want to have it one day here in Israel in a couple of years from now, and I want people who to fly from all over the world to attend the summit. So, what would you say is like the number one thing when you're planning an event like that uh, to fill in to fill out the tickets, like to make sure that you're not taking too much risks because this is a major major risk if you you know book a place and you don't get people. Sure. Well, the, one of the things I did in my initial year was I created two conferences. So I had conference A or conference one to keep the analogy going. Conference one um, that, uh, you know, it was a certain amount of tickets sold, a certain amount of sponsorships, had a certain budget. All right. And then I told myself if I got to that level, if there was enough time left, I would kind of shoot for conference B. So I planned, I hedged myself. So I said, I'm going to have this conference. This is what I'm telling the hotel I'm going to have. But I'm telling all my vendors I'm going to have. And then, but I'm also going to give them the caveat of, hey, I might have conference B. So get ready. If we reach this goal, we'll do that. So it allowed me to kind of get all my risk around this first conference. Got it. And then once I got to a place, I was like, oh, I'm three months out. We've already hit conference A. We could probably go for conference B. So let's push into it and go for it. And so that's what we did. So that kind of gave me a little comfort for moving up a level. So I would plan two conferences. 
Secondly, I would realize that at least 25% of your ticket sales, 33% of your ticket sales come in the last like 30 days of a conference. Mm -hmm. So tremendous amount of ticket sales will come at the last minute. But, but you've got you've to have an email list. You've got to have sort of a gauge that people are at least seeing your offer, right? right. So that only comes if you know, like, so for instance, the FinCon email list is, is now about 6,000, 7,000 people. Mm-hmm. And we end up having about 2,000 come to the conference, right? Yeah. So I kind of know in my mind, well, there's a ton of people opening this email that are just waiting, right? And so mm-hmm. to a certain degree, there's an amount that they're going to wait. In terms of getting confident uh, or growing growing those numbers. Facebook ads have been really big for us the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. We didn't use them in our initial years just because you know, it wasn't something I was sophisticated enough to use or we, we just didn't feel like we needed it. But as the conference has grown and we've tried to grow the, the numbers, Facebook ads have really worked out really well. So we can buy Facebook ads for people. So we retarget people who come to the website but don't buy. So we retarget them on Facebook. Yeah. And then we create lookalike audiences as well. So people, we've kind of figured out our profile, the type of person who comes to our event, and then we market to be people who look like them. So I would use Facebook advertising. I think that's great for events. A couple of other things. One is making sure you're showing authority and sort of social proof, right? So when they hit your website, they're seeing some, you know, they're seeing your brand, obviously, but in your, your stuff, but they're also seeing you're, you're sort of borrowing from other brands or other uh, author- places of authority. So for instance, when you go to FinCon, you don't see me necessarily my face, but you see at our first conference, you saw JD Roth, who was at that time, the biggest personal finance blogger in the world. He was Mr. Everything Personal Finance. And so I made sure when I launched FinCon, I had JD's face right there. JD's going to be our yeah. opening keynote. So I'm okay. borrowing that authority. So people trust it. And then I also use some social proof. So we put a Facebook like box at the bottom. And this is a very simple conference website at the time, but it had one of those Facebook like buttons with all the faces on it that showed who had kind of liked the conference. And uh, that was social proof for people. So they were seeing like, oh, my friends are liking it. My friends are kind of getting in on it. So as much as possible, social proof, authority. Uh, And then my last tip would be to try to involve um, as many people as possible. So, an event is is uh, it can be uh, awesome, an amazing experience if if more if your attendees feel like they help create it right so they're part they're a part of it in some way they helped craft it um, they help put it together and so they have a sense of ownership going in so either they're either a speaker a volunteer a part of the staff they're an exhibitor or whatever it is but they're coming together to kind of be a part of it and so I would say look look for more and more and more ways to collaborate with people. And bring them into the fold. I think at the time we started FinCon, there was kind of an award show for personal finance bloggers out there called the Plutus Awards. And it existed before FinCon. And I said, hey, why don't you guys bring your Plutus Awards ceremony and have it live at our conference? And they're like, yeah, it's a great idea. So there's involvement people there. So there's all these kind of collaborations that I, I got. To, and we've, we've just tried to continue expanding the tent as we've moved yeah. forward. So the more speakers, the more people I can get involved, the better results we've had. Awesome. So you're definitely treating this as a community. I'm thinking, I'm seeing like one of the strong points that you're saying, like, this is a personal brand, like any other personal brand. This is a brand. I mean, like, you know, a brand, but, but we're treating it the personal way, like the community route, building a tribe and creating, putting out content. You said you had a podcast just around the event. Um, most events don't have a podcast of their own. So what made you take that decision and how are you able to maintain that podcast while maintaining also your own? 
So the, the initial idea was uh, that I was a podcaster. So I had a, a podcaster or I had a podcast on PT money before FemCon called the part-time money podcast where I interviewed budding, uh, new online entrepreneurs uh, who were just working on stuff on the side, kind of like your brand. But, uh, and so I, I enjoyed podcasting. I wanted it to sort of be a part of FemCon in some way. And so I thought uh, leading up to the conference, hey, why don't I interview some of our speakers, some of our notable attendees and call it the Financial Blogger uh, Financial Blogger Podcast is what I initially called it. I just did uh, Skype recordings and then transferred it over to iTunes and started the podcast. And cool. really, basically it was just interviews with you know speakers you know coming up to the event. Yeah. Nowadays, it's a full-on operation with uh, its own host and its own editor and its own uh well, we have multiple hosts for it. Someone who does the way we do it these days is we've got someone in charge of content for FinCon, Bethany, and she goes and does Facebook lives every week. Right. Um, and then she turns that Facebook or she gives that Facebook live over to our podcasting team who edits it and puts bumpers on the intro and outro of it. And then we'll also do individual shows with our speakers leading up to the event. So Joe, our, our other host will contact those speakers, reach out to them, do an interview and then uh, produce it for the podcast. And so we'll produce um, about 25 episodes leading up to the event. We start. We started uh, here in February, and we'll go all the way through the beginning of uh, beginning of September. And so it'll be a mix of Facebook Lives, sort of repurposed for the podcast, and then uh, individual shows around speakers. And so it's a pretty lean operation, but I've got a good team, a good editor, and a, a good couple of hosts that uh, help me push it forward. So, cool. Uh, so I'm no longer involved in the production of it, which is kind of fun. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's uh, it's a show that serves you know our our core attendees. So you know we we give it to them as as they uh, leading up to the event for them to get comfortable with the with what the conference is going to be about, and then it uh, hopefully helps broaden this broaden the tent a little bit and reaches more people who are just interested in learning about uh, content marketing as a uh, financial influencer. Cool. Awesome. So definitely amazing that you have this all operation going on, uh, yeah. including repurposing. And so, yeah, thank you. I, like those are great points. How are, how are like, the, like you said, you had also um, a lot of cooperation with other um, like groups or tribes to sell tickets, right? So how are those coming along? Are, are those like a very important part or do you think it's like, a couple of strategic ones are very important. For instance, we have a track at our conference specifically for financial advisors to come and learn how to do uh, online marketing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've partnered with a very notable financial advisor in a, in, in a way that he promotes our event each year as one of the conferences that he, that financial advisors should go to. Okay. So through, through that relationship, we've got a steady stream of, of uh, folks coming to the event. Uh, from the advisor space, and then on the blogger side, we've got um, we've got a, a community called oh, what are they called? The Rockstar Finance Community. So it's sort of an, an association of sorts of of content curation that's happening in the finance space, where this group is sort of distilling down the personal finance sphere to one email a day that's the three best articles for the day in it, and um, so this is going out to lots of consumers, but also other financial bloggers. They have an online community as well. So we do some promotion through them as well. So we've picked some very strategic places to kind of have partnerships or do advertising, things like that. 
So. Cool. Awesome. And um, I want to just flip it around before we uh, move out of conferences. So me as a blogger and I have like, um, so here in Israel, I have Israel's largest design blog. It's called Pixel Perfect. And also now with Mindform Ruthless growing, I bet I'll do that as well. But here in Israel, like there's some design conferences and they partner up with me to promote their conference. So we, they give discounts to my audience. I send dedicated emails, uh, write blog posts um, about them. And, you know, and for that, I get like, Usually what, what I do is like I, I get a free ticket for me, a free ticket for an editor to come and, come and review the conference and like write a post after that, like post-conference. And then, and then basically like, so that's, that's my deal with them. But is there anything that you think I should do to promote them better? Um, what would you expect from bloggers that are working with you to promote your, your show, your um, conference? Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds, uh, that sounds more than fair. I mean, just give an accurate depict. Have you done a recap? So you've done some promotions of the conference, but have you sort of done a review or a recap of what yeah. happened? Every time there's like a review, there's like a okay. post, like, um, like two or three posts before a conference. And then like yep. another big post after that, like long review that takes almost a month to create. Oh, I mean, that's more than I, could, I would ever ask for from, from folks coming to my event to do something like that. So I think that's a good, I mean, obviously there's their hashtag they're working with on social. You would want to play around with, you know, helping them attract more speakers, helping them attract bigger brands, things like that. Um, I'm always thankful when a, a, an attendee comes to me and says, Hey, this company's not exhibiting at your conference. They probably should be, you know, so those that's super valuable when they bring that. So think about brand relationships as well and how you could benefit the conference that way. Cool. Awesome. And, um, and then on the, on the flip side, is there anything I should ask from the conference? Like do, um, like I was wondering for some conferences, should I ask for affiliates and ticket sales? But it's very low, low margin, I guess, like in conferences. So I'm like, I'm just, maybe I shouldn't ask for that or. Yeah, I think that works. And we do that occasionally, you know, uh, from year to year, we'll uh, offer our speakers an affiliate relationship. And we, we, we you know, we, we like that. It's, it's tough because, Confidence aren't necessarily evergreen. I mean, ours is going on every year, but uh, you sort of want sort of a, a push and annual promotion. And I like establishing affiliate relationships to have more of a longer term play. So that's just kind of where my mind goes. But yeah, yeah. So that's all, all right. I got there. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Cool. No problem. Yeah. That's uh, that's awesome, man. Thank you. Cool. So I just want to jump from conferences and. FinCon is, again, amazing. Everybody that is listening right now, you should definitely attend FinCon 2019. It's going down in September, right? Uh, what, what are the dates? 4th through 7th, yep. 4th through 7th. It's September, and it's, a, um, it's not going to be in Orlando. It's, uh, where is it going to be now? I mean, Washington, D.C. this year. Washington, D.C. All right, cool. So Washington, D.C., 4th through 7th of September, which That's is it. pretty awesome. Like, I'm definitely, definitely going to attend, so people... Remember that, um, and okay. I'll see you there. So, anyways, skipping to uh, growing a personal brand and a blog, and I know a lot of people that are listening right now are trying to build their brand. A lot of people are right now like have a service-based business where they are consultants or freelancers or whatever. A lot of people have a day job and want to build their online business. And for me, like for me, my new community, Mindful Ruthless, and I have a, the new blog. The blog itself is still small, and I'm now looking for ways to scale it and to grow. And although I had, I have Israel's largest design blog, um, and I had a big blog in the U.S. about design, I'm still just looking to now 
always I'm always thinking like what's the best way to you know to start a blog like because I always I got a fresh page so uh, let me ask you like to anybody who's starting a blog right now what would you suggest in order to to start um, should they start with I don't know legion and then an email list build their email list or should they start with like promoting themselves on Pinterest or whatever or should they, they start going all over the place open a podcast then like is it needed these days it's a good question um, well if, you, if you're saying start a blog for me you know, it revolves around the content, right? So right. for me, it revolves around creating information that's both in a way serves you so that you'll keep doing it, but also serves a broader audience and in a, an evergreen and sort of a direct, direct way so that each piece of content can kind of stand on its own and kind of go forward from there and have a long shelf life. So I would, that's how I would think about cre- the things I create going forward with with my with my blog with the content I'm going to create is is uh, does it kind of meet those elements and so that that worked for me it allowed me to it allowed my blog post to rank in the search engines because they were on point specifically about certain things like how to start a 529 account is a very specific question that a lot of young married people have I researched it myself because I was personally interested in it and then once I discovered it and opened up my 529 account, I went online and I wrote a blog post about what I had discovered, how I opened up my account, and what this is going to hopefully do for my children in their future. Uh-huh. You know, and so um, that blog post is still out there today, and still Google still sends me traffic to it. You know, so I would I would approach it from this long term mindset that you want to be building assets, evergreen. Each, yeah, each thing you put into the the online universe can have a long shelf life and something that you can stand behind for a long time that you wouldn't mind going back to and maybe updating a little bit. But um, for the most part, you're, you know, you're leaving a legacy, you're creating art, you're creating, you know, your product, make it amazing. And don't feel like it needs to be perfect though. Uh, Cause that'll get you hung up and maybe slow you down, but just start creating and getting that stuff out there. And if you're not inspired to create yet, well, then that means you need to do some more research, consume some more. But uh, in terms of in terms of creating a blog, I would just I would just go at it that way. I would create that evergreen, long form, rich content that people are searching for. People need help. People haven't figured out all their problems. Mm-hmm. And there's yes, there's information out there that can go to money.com and read a generic article about opening a 529 account, but they can't read that from my perspective, from my unique perspective. And so that's what I would inject in each of your articles, along with that you know, good quality information, add your story in there to make it personal, to make it rich. And so people can relate to it and riff off of it and see themselves kind of doing a similar thing. Right. Um, and so that's, what's going to carry your content forward. And I think that's when it's going to allow you to want to do it day in and day out. And so initially it's about the content and we can get in sort of the marketing of that content in the future. But like, I think initially you just got to be willing to create, to churn it out, to put out the, put out those pieces, you know? Totally. And I think that, what you you just mentioned like a point that um, I like to talk about a lot when I started my blogs as well like it's kind of like I shared also my experience so there's something like a concept called share don't tell you just you just shared your experience and that way you create amazing content because it was you that needed you know the solutions to those problems and when you experience those problems you already thought in the mindset of I'm going to share my experience so I'm gonna I need to learn this the best way I can. And that way you are getting more experience and, and, you know, getting more pro in every one of the topics that you 
tackle in life. And that way also the people can benefit from your experience. So it's a win-win. I actually credit my blog for turning me into a real estate investor because I don't think I ever would have become a real estate investor because I just don't have a natural interest in it, except for the fact that I would get to write about it. And I knew if I had a piece of rental property, I could write 10, 15, 20 articles or limited articles on this topic because I was actually experiencing it. And so I'm now a rental property owner. We, we kept our old uh, condo as a, as a town, as a uh, rental property. And so I've written about that whole process, you know, and I, I don't think I would have done that had I not had a blog that sort of inspired me to do that, to want to have that content to share. So if you're creating content and you're sort of creating a system of, of weekly content and it puts you in this mindset, like you said, of a sort of gr- being in a growth pattern and wanting to, you know, experience new things just so you can then learn it and share it. You know, I mean, that's, it's such a, it's like catapulting your human potential. It's awesome. So Everybody, like, again, listen up and remember, like, your passions, just follow your passions, think what you're really good at, and think what you're going through in life, and just, like, you can create all your content around that. Now, so... Can I add one more thing there? So, I I started my blog in 2010, and I started consuming personal finance content. I'm sorry, I started my blog in 2007. I started consuming personal finance content way back in, like, 2004. So I was reading all these blogs, reading Dave Ramsey books, reading, reading David Bach books, like understanding all this stuff for three years before I even wrote my first blog post. So it's like, you know, what is that subject for you that you just can't get enough of? If you haven't found that yet, well, maybe you need to kind of find that because I think to be a good creator, you have to be a good consumer of that content a little bit beforehand. Then take a step forward. Once you get the content going, the next step, the best step is self-serving comment here, but the best step is to then connect with other people who are doing what you're doing because they're naturally going to riff off your ideas as well. You're going to get chances to collaborate. They're going to comment on your work. They're going to ask you questions, which then propels your work even forward. Um, So you need to have a tribe of people who are doing what you're doing. That way you'll be inspired to keep doing it and uh, they'll be more likely to share your stuff. And, you know, it's just uh, find, find, find the people who, who are in your space as soon as possible and hang out with them. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. So um, networking, get your networking game on. And as I said, like I have like this theory about the personal brand. So you each like in every personal brand, you have that uh, influence level. So I say like, if you map it out, it's up to your professionality, which is like a mixture of experience and talent. And then you have your content game, which is long form, but you also have short, for, short form to keep track, like people can keep track of you and your back behind the scenes. And then you have your networking game, which is just as important because you need to network all the time and you need to network offline and online and with people above you and the same level of you and below you. And then you have the fun, you have to pitch and sell. You have to know how to pitch and sell and then like not be afraid of that, not be ashamed of that. And so when you have those four components in place, you have a very successful online brand. And some people have only three, which is cool. And they can be successful, but you really, really get successful when you have four in place. Yeah, I like that. I like the formula. Yeah. You got to feel that. <laughs> for sure. For sure, man. Now that, okay, so, you know, we got over the hurdle. We we launched a blog. We wrote our first piece of content. By the way, do you have any specific, like, form of, like, how do you write today? Or do you have, like, ghostwriters helping you? Do you have copywriters? How do you write? I write one article a month and then I have my team produce uh, three or four other new pieces a month. And then we update probably 20 pieces a month. So our old stuff will update uh, 20 of those a month. So that's kind of the routine we're in right now. 
So your team, when you say your team, do you mean like, like, uh, like how do they choose their topics um, for what to write about? Yeah, so my team is a blog manager, an editor slash writer, and then two other writers right now. And we choose our topics. I just hired an SEO consultant, so she's going to be giving us topics as well. But for the most part, I look at my site architecture. Um, so if you look at my, my menu at ptmoney.com, you'll see jobs, side hustles, small business, passive income. All right, so then up underneath those four umbrellas, have we basically answered people's questions, right? And so I try to come up with uh, questions that those folks might be interested in. Um, I I look at uh, my own life and I try to get articles out of that. Uh, Occasionally a writer will suggest a topic, but for the most part, I'm pretty good at generating ideas. And so that's, uh, that's something that I've been doing and I'll do like a little bit of keyword research as well to make sure that, okay, I'm interested in this topic. I think other people probably are, but let me go to Google to see actually are people actually searching for this. And so, um, I use a, a tool called keywords everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a plug plug in in Chrome and, uh, it can quickly tell you the number of searches a month that any given key phrase or keyword has. And so as I get ideas, I'll run it through that. Oh, it's a validated idea. 500 people a month are searching for that. So we could probably write on that and uh, get some actual traffic to that article. People would be interested in it. So in terms of the content, though, uh, we shoot for anywhere from 1,500 to 25, 3,000 words. So we're going pretty long form these days. I push my writers to go deep instead of wide, broad. So any specifics that you couldn't get, you know, in some other article or website, even if you have to go to a third party source, go research the information and bring it back to our article, obviously linking and giving credit, but people want to, you know, have the answer. And then they always sort of want to know that next level down, like, okay, so you got five ways to grow your business. And one of those ideas is, you know, create new products or whatever. And so you can talk about creating new products, but then give like some specific examples and really dig into those types of examples so that people kind of are getting richer content. Do you review those yourself? Like the, the articles, once they're done, do you take the time to read all the 3,000 word articles? And, yeah. Yeah? Okay. Because yeah, that's since, a lot of words. Since, yeah. Since we're only doing one new true piece of, a week, it's pretty easy for me to stay on top of it. Sometimes on the updates, since we do five of those a week, I'm not as hip to those, but uh, I'll, I'll circle back at some point and, and check them out, especially the more, more trafficked articles. Got it. And your, um, your writers are obviously... U.S.-based or? All of them are U.S.-based. Um, one I've had since way back in the day. Um, I found her on Craigslist, actually, I think. And then cool. she, uh, she's she been helping me a long time. And then uh, most recent, I've just found through the FinCon community. Cool. Awesome. Because I'm definitely like, right now I have, uh, my team is um, made up of an SEO person helping us. And then like I have a condo writer, uh, which is, she's pretty awesome in getting into my state of mind and how I write. But she's she's just not from the U.S. She's not English, so based. So she's not a native English speaker. She, her English is actually less better than me. Like in terms of like the problem I have is I want to hire an U.S.-based content writer. I think that would help the process because right now I'm feeling I'm so much in overload because they're sending me like a lot of pieces of content coming from all all over. Um, that I you know I said hey I want this piece I want this piece this piece and like. All of a sudden, like I'm getting bombarded by content that I have to edit, but every edit will take me like about an hour or two hours to edit. So it's like 
I just I'm I'm a bottleneck right now to my own business. So I'm like okay. I need I need some someone from the US. The only thing in the US uh, prices are pretty high right now, and um, yeah. as a bootstrap business, which that's what I'm doing right now, is uh, pretty hard. So may I ask, just like how how much do you spend on each article? Do you have like a an estimation of a long form article? Yeah. You know, we, we pay our writers differently across the board, but uh, I would say on average, we probably pay uh, $200 for a 2000 word article. Mm-hmm. $200. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then I play my, and then I pay my blog manager probably, if you added up all those articles and updates, probably another 100 to 150 on top of that. So you're talking about $350 for each article to go out. So that's that's pretty pricey. I'm paying a premium actually right now. If I were to talk to other creators on my level, doing the same amount of traffic, I'm paying a premium. But that's I'm fine with that right now. I'm investing for the future, and I've got a I've got another business in FinCon to sort of help gap. And so I'm kind of uh, I feel like paying a premium, trying to get premium content and premium quality, and then that results in premium results down the line. But we'll see. Yeah, no, totally. I, I, um, I'm also investing so much in my business right now that I'm like, I'm looking at the results. Like, what do I want to get? Where do I want to be down the line? So I, I understand I need to invest in, you know, to, for things to work. You got to invest like, no, like it's your content for people. So I, I know there's a lot of people that can't even think about hiring a team. You know, they're doing it inside also. So don't worry, people like also PT like wrote his own articles at the beginning, right? I mean, yeah. uh, you didn't have a team website right now you do. But when the articles are right now, like, okay, so someone wrote an article, how do they get it out there? How do they promote their article once they write it? That's a good question. So um, obviously have it on your blog. Um, and then uh, if folks are tied into your email list via your blog, um, you would then want to, you know, email it out to everyone on your list. For sure. Um, I would also go to social. If it's a B2B type content, Twitter does really well. If it's a corporate style content, obviously LinkedIn does well. But if you've got any kind of angle where it might appeal to, you know, for lack of a better word, like a stay-at-home mom, then you got to go to Pinterest. And so Pinterest has been a big tra- traffic driver for me, 10 times any other social platform. And really about five, seven percent of my overall traffic comes from Pinterest, which is a good compared to compared to search is a really good uh, good number. So yeah, use the socials, but use them wisely. Um, you know, according to what content you have, and then I would just say uh, it takes time too. If you've written a good piece that's got a singular focus, that's a good piece of long form content. You know, and and um, if you mention anybody in the article, like for all, oftentimes I'll mention a brand or another product or service or another creator or we'll link to somebody, I'll definitely let them pe- let them know, email them personally, and just say, hey, we mentioned you guys. Just wanted to let you know. You know, yeah. oftentimes those people will socialize it or link back, which would be pretty valuable. But just it takes time. You know, it takes time for a site to rank. It takes time for Google to get that to start sending new traffic related to that article. So um, it's a little bit of a long form game. And the more articles you have in the tank, the more Google recognizes your site as authority on certain topics. And then it will continue to send you traffic in those areas. But that's, the, you know, that's kind of been my methodology. I know some other folks have more advanced um, content marketing or socializing sort of pr- promotional strategies, but I've kept it pretty simple. As long as I give Google enough time, they'll eventually start sending traffic to it. So. Yeah, so basically, I rely on Google SEO and Pinterest 
as a, as a traffic source. And I'm hearing a lot of great things about Pinterest. So I recently, um, I have a member of my mastermind and uh, we were talking about how we can't we get more traffic to her blog. So I'm like, hey, you should check out Pinterest. Maybe get a Pinterest course and research that. And she did. And in one week, she basically increased her traffic to the blog by like 30%, which is crazy. That's and fantastic. Like, and yeah, and she's in one week, like it's crazy. So so yeah, it's pretty awesome. And uh, I'm definitely looking into Pinterest right now to also start bringing traffic. Yeah, and I'll say this on Pinterest. Even if you don't go to the platform and start investing on the platform itself, just make your articles pinnable, right? Put put a pretty picture, a pretty pin image on your most take your most 10 popular in, uh, blog posts and put pen, nice, beautiful pen images on there. Not actually on the posts themselves, but sort of attached to the, the post where when someone says, I'm going to go pin this, that beautiful image will pop up. And just that tactic alone will, uh, will produce good results on Pinterest for you. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Great tip. So I remember that I should definitely create more visuals because that's my strong side. So I can send <laughs> for sure. So, okay, cool. So now we got the, the article out. We got, like, we promoted it. How do you get people on a list? Well, uh, the thing I do is I look for some type of uh, added value I can bring to the person, right? So oftentimes I'll write about my certain way of, uh, I wrote an article last year on, on how to organize your credit cards, for instance, right? So I have a bunch of credit cards and I do this travel hacking thing where I get all these cards and get all these rewards and stuff. And after a time, it comes overwhelming unless you're tracking it. You got a spreadsheet. So I created my own spreadsheet to track this and to organize and audit my credit cards. And so I wrote a whole article on how I do that, the process I go through. And then at the end of the article, I basically say, do you want to download this spreadsheet for this so you can start tracking your own cards? And at that point, I ask for an email. And so I do that on certain articles like that where there's sort of an added resource. And then what we also do across the site is just generically across those four categories of jobs, side hustle, small business, and passive income, we've essentially got what's called a content upgrade or an opt-in for each of those channels. Yeah. So if we don't have a specific offer on a particular blog post, it defaults to showing that sort of standard opt-in. And they get a guide to side hustling or whatever, if they're on yeah. that kind of article. And then, uh, yeah, so that's how we do it. I, I have not been very aggressive in terms of, you know, trying to get emails through the years because I don't necessarily have a product or service of my own. And so uh, could I, I could be doing more, certainly, but that's essentially what I do. I, I, take, I take the traffic that Google's already giving me and then either convert that to a sale through an affiliate relationship or convert that over to an email if they don't do that. And uh, email has, has kind of always come secondary to me, but that's how we do it. You know? And I got a question to like, um, feel free to not answer if it's too intrusive, but like, so how's your, um, where's your income coming from these days? Like how is your business built in terms of like segmentation of uh, revenue sources? Yeah. So we get uh, income from, I would say four main sources. First is display advertisement through a company called MediaVine. There's also AdThrive out there. It's like Google AdSense, right? Yep. Um, so display advertising or impression-based advertising. Mm -hmm. Second is affiliate marketing. So we connect with uh, financial brands to serve as an affiliate for them. We get a link placed on our site and we get paid whenever we refer someone to their site for yep. a sign-up or Third is what I would call a uh, rate table. So it's sort of the same thing, but it's more cost per click. So if you go to my site, you'll see the top 
the top mortgage rates or the top uh, savings accounts. So if people click on that and they don't even have to sign up. They just literally click on it to check the rate. Then I'll get paid a small amount for the click. Uh, so rate tables is the rate third table. one. Okay. Yeah. It's a CPC model. I mean, it's okay. not much different, not much different than affiliate, but you get paid on the click versus on the commission or, right. or the conversion. And then uh, the fourth one is native ads or sponsored content. So we do one post a month that is a sponsored piece. So we work with a brand and we put together a piece or a review, and then we're actually getting paid to actually produce that piece of content. Um, we let the reader know, obviously this was paid for, but our opinions are ours. We write the piece and we do some socializing of that as well as include it in our newsletter. And they cut us a, a nice little check. Our current rate, our current rate we ask for on the sponsor piece is about $3,000. So um, that's a once a month opportunity though. So we limit it to one of those a month. I would say we make, we're making anywhere between uh, 2,500 and 4k a month on our display advertising cool. uh, the, from the media vine. And, uh, I would say we're probably doing about a thousand a month on our rate tables. And then in terms of affiliate marketing, that's our biggest one. And I would say anywhere from 3000 to 15,000, depending on the month depending on what, what's kind of what, what's promoting. So obviously like budgeting and taxes is doing really well right now in the fall. We have a Christmas article where we get a lot of gifts, gift affiliate commissions. So it's up and down. I hate to give you numbers cause it kind of, yeah, no, 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 no need it, for, it, I didn't expect numbers. Like I just expected the segmentation. So yeah. So that, that's kind of the four main areas. And I would, the most consistent driver, of revenue through the years has certainly been display ads. So that's when I made my first dollar online really was through Google AdSense and display ads have always been good to me for the most part. There were years where I took it off thinking I'd make more with affiliate if I didn't have it on there, but now I've learned to sort of balance the site. So if an article does really well with an affiliate, let's say it's the review of a bank or of a credit product um, and it just does gangbusters on affiliate and I'll pull all the display off of there so that it doesn't interfere. But everything else across the site, I'll use. Uh, I'll use the display model. All right, cool. So it's very much like it's. It's not fully passive, but it's obviously like you know that's passive income from a blog. Like you build the blog. At one point, what point do you think that um, someone should should start? You know, putting ads on their site. Like what tipping point? Like when you have like the, that much traffic, you should start or. Well, I think if you're going to use a, a sort of a display ad or or affiliate model. If you think that's going to be your model down the road, then I, there's no harm in starting with that. Go ahead and start as soon as you can get to the programs, as soon as you can put it up, put it up. Because, I mean, you, you want to learn how to make it work with your content. You want to work, learn how to weave it in your content effectively and get the reader used to seeing it in a native way. So I would want, I would want to introduce it to five years down the road when you've got this massive audience and who's expecting all this free content without, uh, without ads. At the same time, it's less about that because, you know, that ultimately that's not really a big deal. It's more about you getting used to working with advertising partners, whether they come through a display ad model or whether it's an affiliate model. Yeah. The quicker you can sort of get involved in learning how to work that into your content appropriately, the better because you just you'll be that much more savvy to it and sophisticated down the road. It's important as a content creator you know, to keep your business hat on and keep your creative hat on, right? right. They're, yeah. they're, they're, two, they're two distinct areas. And anyone in journalism would tell you 
don't ever let those worlds cross. Don't ever let those worlds mix, right? So you want to create your content objectively over here. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, your business people can, can monetize that, but don't cross those streams too much, you know? And so I think learning to balance that early on is healthy. So, totally. yeah, I would, start, I would start as soon as possible. All right, awesome. Cool, thank you. Um, unless, unless my goal was to sell a product or sell my own courses down the road, then I wouldn't worry about ads at all, obviously. I think, I think it's a mixture. I think it's a mixture in a way. Like I used to have sponsors, um, including sponsored posts, including ads, including like everything, like on both my previous blogs. And to tell you the truth, like that, that is what made me leave my day job. Like, you know, sponsors and, and stuff like that and ads, uh, mostly on my newsletter. But ever since I left my day job, I like had I, um, in Mindful and Ruthless and everything, I had zero sponsors. So I'm like, wait a second. I'm leaving money on the table here. I'm, you know, I, I can bring sponsors in and bring another revenue stream from sponsors, uh, which is another operation which I will need to do. But it's still like I will need to maintain it. I will need to, you know, run it somehow. But why not? You know, although I have my own courses, my mastermind, everything like that, it's actually a good thing to do that as well. Why not? Yeah. So, anyways, uh, you give, you're giving me ideas to integrate ads and do all kinds of stuff like that because. I haven't thought about it actually. And I think it's another revenue stream, which I can bring back because it's definitely something I didn't have a lot of display ads. I tried messing a bit like with display ads, but never really, I never had a lot of traffic on my blogs. Like I had like 30 K uniques, like on my bigger one, you know, it's not a lot, 30 K month. Yeah, but it it can, it might work like you're building this up. Um, So it might be awesome. So yeah. Displays come a long way in the past year and a half, I would say. So some of the more sophisticated programs like Mediavine, AdThrive have really made big strides in in what they can do with a site. So I would give it a second look if you wrote off display at some some earlier point. Cool. I will. Thank you. All right. Awesome. So um, we're coming near the end here. um, And I just want to like, I know you have a lot of businesses going on, like, and you mentioned something about like a new company and you're like, uh, project that you're working on called launch video. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So one of my employees for FinCon, he's been a contractor through the years and I brought him on as a full-time employee last year. Justin his name is his name. He does all my tech and AV and video production for the conference. So nice. he helped organize the, you know, the slides and the projectors and the speakers in the rooms and all that. And then he recorded all the sessions through the years. He's done all that. This past year, I hired him full-time, and so I put him to work full-time, and he was doing things like content marketing and some other sort of unique marketing issues I had kind of him dealing with, and it was just really putting him out of his box, right? So he was he was out of his wheelhouse completely. So <laughs> at the end of the year, we looked at it, and we are like, well, that was good. You did good, but how about you just focus on video 100% of the time? Uh, and I said, why don't we start a company that where you – produce video 100% of the time, either editing or shooting. And I contract with you through FinCon to hire you for that. And then the rest of the time you spend going and get clients from our industry. So financial influencers and brands who want to do a do video, either start a YouTube channel or launch, um, do a book release or launch a new product or service. And they need a video produced around that launch. That's what he's going to uh, specialize in. So he's already done a couple of, uh, book launches with a couple of authors in this finance space and uh, he's going to be pushing that business forward. And so um, I'm, I'm merely a passive investor in that company uh, and his biggest client in FinCon. But uh, for the most part, 
you know, that's the third business we're moving forward. So as you move, as you, as your team evolves, think about how best, you know, people could be used and how, you know, resources can be applied and, and get, be able to get creative and, and be fluid, I guess, with your business. So that's the lessons learned. We'll see if it makes any money or not, but I think everybody's certainly happier at this point that he's got that business. So if you are an influencer looking for a, a launch video of some sort to launch your podcast, to launch a book, to launch your blog, well, we can put together a nice video for you. So That's awesome. It's really great. Definitely, I am. I am actually uh, looking forward to see what you guys got, and uh, maybe I'll be a client. Who knows? Um, <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. So cool. And um, not the final question, but like the you know final topic that I would like to discuss. Yeah. What are you, PT, most fired about today? Hmm. Well, right now, there's a lot of things going on in my head. Um, I would say I was most I'm most fired up about the opportunity for me as an entrepreneur now, ten years in, almost twelve years in, to really be crafting my own life. Right. And so to, to be, to be able to have independence and autonomy to say, all right, I'm going to wake up today. So what, what do I want to do with my life. And so I'm fired up about fixing that and working on that. Cause that's actually been the biggest challenge for me through these years is now that I have my freedom and independence. How do I, how do I spend my time wisely? Cause it's all, once you figure out the money thing, then that becomes secondary. Then it becomes all about the, you know, how you're spending your time with, with your family. I've got three kids at home, a wife, three businesses now. So it's like, what, you know, how, how am I treating my life? And so I'm excited about the opportunity that I have ahead. I'm still a young man, just 43. So I'm excited about the next, you know, let's say 20, 30 years of you know, growth and opportunity and fun with my family and, and just experiences. But it's going to take intentional, intentionality on my part to make that happen because there's no boss there's no schedule. There's nothing telling me what to do. I've just got to craft it for myself. And so that's the thing I get excited about is, is creating a bucket list of, of things I want to knock out in this world. So, yeah. Awesome. Do you have a vision, by the way? Like, do you have a written vision? For FinCon, we're working on one. But uh, personally, no, um, I, I don't have one. I've sort of woken up in this life of... Uh, uh, I, I'm kind of in an unexpected place right now in my life. And so I need to recast that. And I need to go find that for myself. And so that's part of, I think, what I am excited about is the opportunity to do that. So Awesome. Cool. Um, so I would, by the way, love to help you with that because I'm the vision guy. So okay. um, that's my story. But I'll, we'll talk about it offline. But um, it's, yeah. I think that coming with your like amazing things that you've done recently and in, in general in your career and recently with everything that you've got going on, just having a vision would create a monster <laughs> um which is pretty awesome dude like yeah you're doing a lot of yeah. greatness out there so well thanks man thanks i've been lucky to work on some cool projects you're right and uh i do agree with you that having having something else out there for myself to shoot for would be something that would be positive in my life right now absolutely cool and it's awesome that you're also at the level where you can just decide like just yeah. You know, money is not a thing. Like now is how am I going to, how am I building my life with intention? How am I building my lifestyle in, the, in a way that, you know, because I know how you feel. I, I bet I, I probably, I can really identify with you. Like um, we have full control of our life in a way, but it's not that we just want to leave that like now, like uh, let, the, let the business sit aside and we'll spend more time with the family. Uh, the business still feels like play. 
and we love doing it. Sure. But then absolutely. again, right. So it's like that. And also the family is like super important to us. You have three kids. I, I have two. Um, I started beautiful family. Uh, by the way, I met your wife at the conference back then. We, oh. we talked three of us um, and kind of like amazing family, amazing life, amazing business. So it's just congrats on being at that point in your life where you're off the grid, man. Yeah. You're definitely off the grid. So <laughs> yeah. Man. Uh, so Final, uh, just like question that I ask almost every guest that comes on the show. Um, what are like some books or YouTube uh, channels or podcasts that you would recommend to our audience? Good question. So if you're an upstart blogger, I really like what the guys over at In- Income School are doing on YouTube. They're, they talk about like niche sites. And even if you're not a niche site builder, if you don't want to do like multiple niche sites, if you just want to build an authority site like you and I have, their SEO and their content marketing stuff is really sharp. It's, awesome. it's cutting edge right now. I really like their stuff. Income school. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's see who else. Um, obviously I follow Gary V for, you know, a lot of his uh, marketing stuff and content. Mm-hmm. He's online. a role model as well, right? Like- on YouTube. Yeah. He just fires me up, man. I was just yeah. inspiring dude on the personal finance side. I still refer people to Ramit Sethi's book. I will teach you to be rich. You know, personally, part of my story, I was able to move, make the leap to entrepreneurship faster because I had my money fixed. And Ramit's advice, David Box, Automatic Millionaire, David Ramsey's, Dave Ramsey's Baby Steps, all that stuff really helped me to move into entrepreneurship a lot faster than I normally would because I'm a really risk-averse guy. So I had to kind of clear all the risk out of my life before I made that leap. So those are some of those recommendations. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and by the way, do you read books and do you read like any? Yeah. I try to do an audio book and get one yeah. to keep one of those going. And, um, uh, not, not lean startup, uh, but it's called, uh, the guy who created PayPal. Um, oh, um, so basically Elon Musk, Elon Musk, the other one. Oh, the other one. <laughs> okay. <got it. laughs> Elon's friend. Uh, anyway, I'm blanking on it. It's okay, zero okay. to one. Zero to oh, one. Okay, zero to one. Okay, okay, okay. Got yeah, it. Got that's it. that's the one I've got downloaded that I'm checking out right now. Cool. Um, but so no, so no feedback on it yet. But that's right. that's of interest. Cool. All right. And what what's the best one you read in 2018? This book. Yeah. Oh, it's been a while. Let me pull up my Audible real quick. See what's right. on there. <laughs> got it right here. Might as well, right? For sure, man. And by the way, if you're looking for a good recommendation, uh, Pitch Anything was an amazing book. Okay. That is just like amazing, amazing book. Um, Pitch Anything and TED Talks for okay. you hosting a conference. And TED Talks is amazing. Uh, presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs. So last year, I, I really, uh, I took on the sales fully for my business, FinCon, and I set some really aggressive goals. And so one of the books I listened to last year was Grant Cardone's 10X Rule. Oh, for and sure. I, I listened to another one of his, Sell or Be Sold. Sell or Be Sold, yes. And um, his stuff is so inspiring to me, man. So I became a much better salesperson last year after checking out a lot of his stuff. Dude, totally. I think like I also, I also like once I started selling courses, I listened to Seller Be Sold and 10X Rule like pushed me and then Seller Be Sold and definitely great, great books. He is controversial. A lot of people are like, oh, Grant Cardone. You're like, um, a lot of people have right. a, lot of, a lot of stuff. <laughs> but eventually his books and his methodology is pretty freaking amazing. Yep. And he's 
doing it, man. He's like, I, I feel the, I feel the exact same way. He, he yeah. grows on you, man. You just, yeah. you just need to absorb it. You need to absorb some GC every day, you know, get, <laughs> totally. some, uh, get some of that in you. <laughs> Once you peel off the layers of ego, um, right. you're like, you're good. And women, especially if you're listening to any of grand stuff, it's because he's always referring as man, you know, right? Like, he's right, like, right. I'm telling you, man, you should do this. And he's like, it's in his book. And he's like, I'm like, wait, what if the women's listen to this? Like, what if like, <laughs> <laughs> how would you feel? It's not, he's totally not politically correct, but he's, right. he's on point when it comes to selling and when it comes to business, I think it's pretty yeah. crazy. Thinking bigger, having that vision, you know, moving things forward. Yeah. Right. Totally. So, uh, yeah, I mean, PT was awesome talking to you, man. Like I really, really enjoyed uh, this conversation. So much value. Thank you for being honest. And Same here, Zaji. It was great, man. <laughs> sure, man. Um, so everybody, if you love this episode, uh, then you better check out PT at ptmoney.com. You better check out FinCon happening in September uh, 4th through 7th in Washington, D.C. And launch video. We Do you have a link to that, by the way, or can we link to it? Yeah, I can send you a link. I think the, the current URL is wearevid.com. Okay, cool. So check out wearevid.com. And probably by the time this episode will be out, this will be already um, on its way with a few clients. So, And uh, yeah, anywhere else we should find you? Anywhere else you're active? Yeah, I'm pretty active on Twitter, at PT Money. That's my platform of choice. We also have a fantastic Facebook group for the FinCon community if you want to tap into that. Um, otherwise, yeah, just see you on the socials. Email me anytime, pt at ptmoney.com. Happy to carry the conversation forward. Awesome. And people attend FinCon, I'm telling you, life-changing and uh, a lot of amazing people. Just the people, it's just freaking amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, PD, thank you so much, my man. Bye, brother. All right.